Good morning, North Boulevard. Y'all sound so excited. Good morning, North Boulevard. Amen, amen. It is good to see you. Uh, I was told by uh, John Magnuson when he uh, to talked about me preaching, he said, now for the 1030 service, you'll go out all over the universe. I said, the universe? So good to see you universe uh, this, this morning. But it, it's good to be uh, back. Good to see so many of your smiling faces. Uh, I'm just excited and thrilled to share another word from God on this morning. I'm going to get right in it. Uh, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. I'll meet you at our main text. This morning, I want to talk about contrary winds. Now, while you're turning there, uh, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background around verse number 30 of Mark chapter 6. So, Jesus had just finished doing some preaching, and his disciples came back with some bad news. They shared with him that John the Baptist had just uh, been beheaded. So after a lot of preaching, and, and I understand this, after preaching, you tend to get tired. Um, so after a lot of preaching and after that bad news, Jesus says, hey guys, why don't we pull away? Uh, let's get to a deserted area. But as they pulled away, they turned around and looked, and there were 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Now get that. Your ministry is really effective if you go and take a walk and turn around and see 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Uh, it, it was immense, right? And it was also getting towards the evening time. And so as it gets towards the evening, uh, the disciples look around and say, hey, Lord, um, it's getting late. Uh, the restaurants are closing. These people are going to have to have something to eat. Um, and Jesus said, well, you feed them. And they said, Lord, uh, you know, what are we supposed to do? You know, even with the money that we have, we can't feed this many people. Some estimate that it was almost 25,000 people there after you add up the women and children. But Jesus asked them, he said, but what do you have? Usually when we are faced with a big problem, guess what we do? We count up all the things that we don't have. But Jesus said, what do you have? Ironically, notice how the text says that there were 5,000 men not counting women and children but it was one of the children that wasn't counted that they ended up counting on because he had a sack lunch. And that's all they had amongst the crowd was this young boy's sack lunch, two fish and five loaves. And if he was anything like me, it, was, it started out as five fish and 10 loaves, but by the time they made it, <laughs> amen, uh, he had two fish and five loaves. And, and you know the story. Jesus, he, he prays and gives thanks. And the next thing you know, uh, Jesus actually told the crowd, eat till you're filled. So Jesus, after praying, opens up an all-you-can-eat fish fry on the side of the banks uh, of the Galilee. Amen. Amen. But then uh, there's something that happens. Right after that, Jesus ordered the disciples to pick up the scraps, and they ended up having 
12 baskets of scraps. And you'll find me at the text uh, now at verse number 45. The Bible says, immediately he made his disciples get in the boat and go before him on the other side to Bethsaida, where he sent the multitude away. There's a key word when you're reading the book of Mark. You know, Mark, Mark's gospel is, is the smallest of the gospels. Mark usually got straight to the point. But another thing about Mark's gospel is that he uses this key word immediately a lot. And it, it, it invokes this kind of urgency and action in the ministry of Jesus. So immediately, right after this great miracle, Jesus makes them get in the boat and he says, you guys go on, I'll meet you there. And verse number 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, remember the, the miracle happened because it was getting evening time. And so they're going to have to sail across the Sea of Galilee in the evening. Now, one of the ways that they would have done this is that they would have sailed close to the shore. Uh, so the, the shore would have been an eye distance away, and they would have had it. It wasn't that long of a trip to get to Bethsaida. But something happened. Now, you're supposed to be sailing within eyesight of the shore. But look at verse 47. Now, when the evening came, now we already knew that it was evening, but you know the Jewish time scale, they had different evenings or different watches. So the first evening is about three to six. This next evening is somewhere between six to nine. So it's, it's late according to their schedule. And the Bible says the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. We're supposed to be right near the shore, but now they look up and see they're in the middle of the sea. They're, they're not, they're, they're way off course. They're not where they're supposed to be, and Jesus is not with them. Now, you got to think about the fear that's creeping up on them at this time. Because it wasn't just too long ago that they were in this same sea in the middle of a storm that not only tested their resolve, but tested the very fiber of their faith. You all remember uh, when that storm arose. Now, and, and imagine this, they were that afraid with Jesus on the boat. Imagine now. They're lost in the middle of the sea, and Jesus is not with them. Verse number 48 says, He saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night. So now not only have they lost track as to where they were supposed to be, it's now the fourth watch of the night. Remember, according to the time scale, this is now between about three and six in the morning. What should have been a very short trip to Bethsaida has now turned into a situation where they've lost course and it's the darkest before the dawn. This is frightening to them. And then something weird happens. 
He came to them. So Jesus goes to pray. And what I love about when Jesus prays is that, you know this, Jesus doesn't just pray for himself like we do. He's praying for them. So when he went to pray, obviously he says a prayer on their behalf, but they're down there and he's way over here. But at the fourth watch, right at the darkest part, he came to them walking on the sea. And then the next part is probably one of the weirdest parts of Scripture. You've probably never recognized this. The Bible says, he would have passed them by. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm in a frightening moment. We've lost course, and, and, and you see that I'm in trouble, Lord, but the text says that Jesus was going to pass them by. That's probably where that song came from. Pass me not, O oh gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. Maybe that's why they wrote that song, because Lord, don't pass me in this moment, in this dark moment of our lives. And when he saw them, and when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. Now, according to the culture here, it was often thought that demons uh, would have stirred up these tempests and storms, right? And so now they're rowing and they can't get by. Jesus is not with them. And then they see, so we've gone now from fright night to thriller night because they see this ghost uh, in the middle of the sea, right? It's, 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 it's terrifying to them. And they cried out. Now, even though the Holy Spirit took the time to make sure that we knew that Jesus' initial plan was to pass them by, the Bible says they cried out. And one thing I know about my God is that when his babies cry, he has to respond. It reminds me of this, this couple once, uh, husband and wife, uh, uh, he, had, he had left home and uh, he had grabbed the wrong set of keys, so he didn't have his house keys. So uh, after a couple of hours, he came back home. He knew his wife would be home uh, so that he could, you know, make sure that he could get back in. Uh, but he, he knocks on the door, and she doesn't answer. He looks through the window. He sees that she's asleep on the couch, and so he's tapping on the window. She still doesn't respond. Um, so he had an easy access to get under the house. He says to himself, well, I'll just go into the house and I'll beat up under the floor right where she is and maybe that'll wake her up. So he goes under the house, he's beating on the floor and he comes back out. She still doesn't respond. Goes across the way to the neighbor's house. Can I borrow your phone? I got to call my wife. He calls the house. She, she still doesn't respond. So he goes back and he's thinking, man, I'm going to hit on this window. I might have to break the window, but I'm going to beat on this window. And right as he gets ready to beat on the window again, he looks through and sees her take off and run upstairs. And eventually, you know, after she comes back down, he, you know, taps again and she opens the door. And he says, honey, what, what was going on? He said, I, I was knocking on the door. I was knocking on the window. I went up under the house. I was beating up under the floor. And I went across the way and I called. You know, you never answered. What was, and she said, well, I didn't hear you. He said, well, what made you jump and run upstairs? She said, I heard my baby crying. It's something about a mother and her baby crying, right? It's the same with God hearing us 
cry. He has to respond when his babies cry. So they cried out to God, and verse number 50, for they all saw him and were troubled. But here's that word, immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. One translation renders that, take courage. You know, sometimes in the darkest part of our life and in our darkest storms, we don't recognize that we actually have some courage that we can take. But again, we overlook the things that we really ought to count on. And so Jesus says, it's me. Do not be afraid. He gets in, verse 51, he went up into the boat with them. One thing I love about Jesus is that he may not necessarily take the storm away or take the problem away, but he will get in the boat with you, with your problem, to let you know everything is going to be all right. And the wind ceased. See, here's what Jesus, I believe Jesus was thinking. You know, I, I've I've prayed for them. I've given them what they needed. Uh, they'll, they'll be okay. I believe that's why he initially was going to walk by. You know, my kids now are at an age, they're eight and six, and, and they're at an age where I'm having to teach them that sometimes you've got the answer right there with you. You just need to try it again. You, you can do it. You've got it. But even if they can't figure it out right then, I'm still there to help them. And the Bible says, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Now, now when you look at this uh, in the Aramaic, I, I, you know, it's, it's superlative on top of superlative on top of superlative. It is, they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Why was this so, you know, amazing? What was so stupendous about this? Greatly amazed and, and beyond measure and marveled. What was so marvelous about this? Here it is in verse 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Wait a minute. Do y'all remember what happened? Immediately after the miracle of feeding them, what did Jesus do? He says, take the scraps. So that means that on the boat, they had evidence of God's miraculous power right there with them, but they overlooked it. That's the very thing that happened when the 5,000 men, not counting women and children, came. The thing that they did not count on was what they needed to count on. Get the message, y'all. Here's a man who was born in the city of bread. He says, I am the living bread. He prays and multiplies bread, and he gives you evidence of the miracle, and you missed it. 
You know, if you look at the whole Bible, the whole Bible is filled with reminders because God recognizes something about us. We remember things that we ought to forget and we forget things we ought to remember. And so all throughout the pages are, are times where God says, remember this, remember this, write this down, change. You know, look at so many times in the Old Testament where they changed the name of places. The reason that they had to do that was to remind them from this point on, God had an interaction with us right here, change the name. And a lot of our problem is we don't take good record of what God has done in our life. And so every time we face a new problem, it's like recreating the wheel all over again. It's as if we've never been here before, but Jesus told them, take the scraps. You've got evidence of God's miraculous power with you. And you know what? They were terrified as if they've never been in this place before. Sometimes we've got to change some names, y'all. I know you've heard about naming and claiming. I'm not talking about naming and claiming. I'm saying we've got to change some names so we can take record. This is what God did at this place. Remember when they crossed over the Jordan? What did God say? Go back and get some stones. Well, why do we need to go back and get some stones? Because when somebody comes back through later, I want you to be able to tell the story of what I've done. How many times has God showed out in your life? You need to take record of what God has done so that when you're faced with another situation, you can see the evidence of what God has delivered you from. Don't forget, here's, here's, here's point number one, don't forget, oh my goodness, don't forget the remainder or the reminder that God has for us. God never leaves us without a reminder. He never leaves us in a situation where he hasn't reminded us what he's done and the power that he's delivered us from. Don't forget, point number two, don't forget the resource God is not just our source, but he's a resource. You've always got God. Even when they felt like they did not have him, guess what? Follow the bread. You still have him with you. And see, what God is trying to do, here's point number three about this. Don't forget the revelation. What God wants us to do when he delivers us is to remember uh, what we've learned from this situation. If they had taken good record, they could remember we've been through a storm before and God took care of us. So this time, even though I don't see him with me, I need to learn that God is always with me. Even when I can't see his hand working, God is always working behind the scene. If we remember these things, we won't be so amazed when he finally shows up in the way that we think. Like, wow, what, what happened? Oftentimes, like them, we miss the lesson of the loaves. God has He's done marvelous things. God has showed out in your life. 
And you know what? He leaves you with evidence. He leaves you with a reminder of his power. And maybe sometimes you feel like they felt. Remember what the text said? They were straining at rowing against contrary winds. They were giving it all they had. You know, something that we think sometimes, we think that just because we're in Christ, we won't have any problems. Sometimes we think that just because we're obedient, we won't have problems. But when you look at this lesson, they were doing what they were supposed to do. They were where they were supposed to be. They were being obedient and still faced contrary winds. So don't think that just because you're in the right place at the right time doing what you're supposed to do, that you won't face contrary winds. And sometimes, just like with them, you're giving it all you got. The Bible said they were straining. They were giving it all they had and weren't getting anywhere. But the real problem was not about the winds. It was about the fact that they missed the miracle. So even in your life, while you're struggling and straining and doing what you know God has called you to do and you're being obedient to his will, don't be dismayed when you are facing the contrary winds of life. Sometimes the issue is the fact that you haven't looked around to see, wait a minute, I've got evidence of God's miraculous power. God never leaves us without a reminder. God never leaves us in a situation where he hasn't shown us what he could do. There's somebody in here today. You've been struggling and straining. You've been giving it all you have, yet you still are facing contrary winds. There's somebody here this morning that you too, you've, you've tried everything out there. But I'm begging you today to give your life to Jesus. Because Jesus can take not just what you had, but Jesus will take what you have left over and bless it and provide for so many. Give your life to Jesus today. Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Believe in that Word. Repent of your sins. Confess Christ and be baptized. Buried in the watery grave of baptism to rise and walk in the newness of life. There's somebody today that you've been just struggling at it, but you've neglected to look to see the miracle that's right there in the boat with you. I encourage you today, be of good cheer because Jesus is always with you. Come back to God.